Happy Friday, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of FinTech Fridays. I am pumped uh, this week for our guest, Jeff Walker. Uh, not only um, is, he, uh, do, is he doing some super cool things in the industry, but he's a good friend. Um, and uh, just I'm excited to just riff with uh, Jeff on a, on a few topics today. So welcome to the show, Jeff. Brian, it is a pleasure to be here. Happy Friday. Right on. We made it to another Friday. It's, um, you know, it still feels like here on the East Coast, 70 degree weather does not feel like the end of November. <laughs> well, it's here. It is. It has hit us in Michigan for sure. So, Jeff, you, you may have uh, uh, picked up on this if you've checked out any of the uh, prior episodes uh, of this podcast. But I, I like to open up by asking my guest, uh a question around this term fintech and, and and what does it mean to you and specifically in the context of what you do every day what is it what does it mean to you and your business yeah what a great question i think you know fintech probably means something different to everyone which is probably why you asked the question exactly and i think about my career and what we do at Credivolve, we're very very focused on on customer experience and so the lens that i bring to Fintech is one of experience, um, and I think that if if we can enable or remove the friction that allows a consumer to do, um, you know, to improve their financial literacy, to improve their credit well-being, to do something better through technology, we've, su we've succeeded with Fintech. And I think the example that I would use there is imagine if you're elderly or disabled, um, and you have a check and you need to get it to your bank and you have no way of getting to the bank. Well, you have a mobile app. What a perfect um, example of appropriate, effective FinTech um, that just is a real simple way of thinking about how we view um, what, what technology needs to do to enable the well-being of our customers from a credit and financial perspective. I love it. I love it. I want to I want to dive in a little bit first on your background and then how you got to um, Credivolve. You know, you guys you guys founded this 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 company this year. Um, totally. Uh, I love the mission. As you know, uh, we're very much aligned in terms of how we think about the consumer and, and helping our partners better engage their consumers. But I want to first kind of back it up a little bit and and, and let the audience really, if they don't know you and your background, I think it's important in, in the context of what you're doing at Credivolve. So you don't have to go back to your first job, but maybe uh, kind of give us a little an idea of where, where you've been and, and what you've done and how that experience has shaped how you think about Credivolve and how you serve consumers. Yeah, well, thanks for giving me a pass on going back um, to my first job. That would, that would date myself um, probably, you know, not, not too flatteringly. Um, what I like to think about what Credivolve does is we're mortgage bankers creating a credit remediation platform for mortgage bankers. So I spent most of my career as a lender um, in all channels and got to experience firsthand what it means to have a situation where you've got a consumer who at the height of their emotional anxiety, right, or the height of their emotional excitement, coming in to qualify for a product and they get declined. And yeah. it's just, you know, it can be one of the best experiences or it can be one of the worst experiences. 
And when, um, when I was at Fannie Mae, just before um, coming to Credit Evolve, left there in October of last year, I got to see firsthand how a mission-oriented company tried to work with lenders to address industry problems, whether it was LMI borrowing or CRA or access to credit, and how challenging it was for GSEs and lenders to come together at the right time with an aligned mission to serve consumers. It's, it's much more challenging than you would think. So the first thing I thought when I left Fannie was I want to do something that's hard work. I don't mind if it's hard work, but I wanted it to be hard work. And I came across a company called Get Credit Healthy, who I had been one of the very first customers of. And Get Credit Healthy formed 10 years ago to do exactly what I'm describing. It, it was in the business of helping lenders and their decline consumers find credit remediation and those lenders could qualify or those consumers could qualify for the lender's product. What was missing, though, was the social aspect of that. It was very transactional. And I thought, boy, what a perfect time in light of the events that have happened over the last couple of years um, that have really rocked this country from a social perspective to take a platform that creates tremendous value for consumers, but actually think about it from a social perspective. We work with socially responsible lenders who value the commitment and the investment that they make in their customers so that they can deepen relationships and oh, by the way, there, there is a commercial value on the other end when that consumer comes back. But from, from our point of view, we're not interested in just helping lenders drive revenue. We're interested in being a central part of the solution that brings the back end of the business, the GSEs and investors, to the front end of the business with lenders so that we can solve a very complicated problem in terms of credit well-being and, and financial well-being for a, a significant number of consumers. Yeah, I love it. That's that's a there's a ton there. I want to go back and make sure that uh, people heard the distinction between heart heart work and hard work, right? And I think uh, when I hear you talk about heart work, uh, it, it totally resonates. It is, um, and by the way, sometimes it's hard work to do the heart work. And I think. I think you guys um, are definitely in that space. And, and what I love about your platform is you you bring together the relationship from the lender, right? They've, they've earned a relationship with a consumer. Um, they're not able to uh, help that consumer today. And so now you introduce uh, the, the combination of high tech and high touch, some technology to support uh, the consumer and your other partner in this transaction, which is the the uh, the housing counselor. So maybe maybe now is a good time to kind of poke a little bit deeper and talk about how you guys are facilitating this hard work through HUD approved housing counselors and what does that mean for your client, the lender, but also the consumer. Yeah, well, what a great question. I'd go back, Brian, to your comment that hard work and heart work are not mutually exclusive, right? And, <laughs> and nor, nor is the fact that you can do well and do good. Those two concepts can coexist. We're very much a commercial enterprise, but we're also a public benefit corporation. And so we walk the line all the time of balancing social responsibility with commercial viability. We don't think, and we wouldn't ask our customers to accept anything less. Um, and, and the way we do that, right, when, when you're a lender, 
and, and you have to say no, right, because you've declined a consumer for credit, your hands are tied. And typically what that means, and look, no disparagement to a loan officer, right, but loan officers get paid to close loans. And if a loan yeah. officer has a consumer that they can't help, there may be a couple of tools in their toolkit, but they're not going to, they're not going to expend a tremendous amount of energy. They're just not paid to expend a tremendous amount of energy helping that consumer find an alternative to no, find a not yet. And so we founded Credivolve under the premise that let us do the heavy lift through technology. We'll build a platform that will API, right, digitally connect into a lender system. And when that lender has a, has a decline, use our platform to pass that consumer's information through to a HUD-certified nonprofit credit counselor. And I think that's what really distinguishes us from the typical credit remediation platform is that 100% of our fulfillment is done through certified you know, counselors who are nonprofits. And that has a yeah. tremendous amount of value. Number one, quite frankly, they're, they're a very underutilized segment of the industry. And I think when I think about counselors, I think about them in the context of I got to go there, not I get to go there, right? Yeah. You need a down payment assistance. You need, you know, access to a low down payment program. You're probably being driven there by a, by a GSE or a lender. Um, and you don't probably do the happy dance because you get to go to a, a counselor. Right. What we try to do is bring that counselor experience and empathy and that halo effect that they have for being HUD certified um, and, and leverage that by bringing high-tech capabilities to their high-touch empathy. Um, and, and I talked about consumer experience when we opened up the conversation. And, and what I found when I came to Credivolve and, and we started this company was that the experience was a little bit like going from a lender in 2021 to a counselor using 1970 tools. <laughs> what do I mean by that? Counselors have traditionally been underfunded. They don't have the same technology their lender has. They don't have a great way of sourcing their own customers. And so we believe that we can provide a tremendous benefit to a lender by taking the heavy lift and the follow-on to a declined consumer and enable the counselor to use some of the same digital lending capabilities like income asset and employment verification, like AUS, LP and DU, yeah. things that lenders take for granted that have never been you know, kind of the, the tools that, uh, that a counselor use. We work with companies like Finlocker who have, who have great sort of consumer permission capabilities that allow us to help the counselors use consumer data to set up the budgets, to do the strategic action plans, to coach them every single month, and we can actually return a consumer to a lender in, on average, five months, but in as few as three months things that a counselor never had access to before in a way that has no white space between the way the counselor is evaluating the consumer's credit and the way the lender evaluates it. And maybe to, to add to that, when you are, when that consumer is now returning to the lender, you're actually returning them with that direct source data that can be actionable immediately in the form of starting the mortgage application and getting right back in the, underwriting queue, uh, you know, seamlessly. That's right. We talked earlier about, you know, fintech and what does it mean to us and the comment I made is that it, it, you, you have to have a good process for fintech to enable it. 
um, or it or it's meaningless. And we actually look at you know um, at least three value propositions for lenders and consumers. Right. One is the lender gets to deepen the relationship with the consumer that they would have had to say no to. Um, two is they get to execute on a social mission that they've probably been talking to their stakeholders, to their board, to their customers, to their employees about, and provide them an in-market solution to helping consumers today, not 12 months from now, not yeah. aspirational. Um, but to your point, the ability to use the same data that a lender uses in the counseling experience and pass that data back helps us create a 3x um, optimization of a counselor who traditionally can handle five customers a day, they can now handle 15. And a yeah. lender who now gets the same type of um, mortgage readiness determination from a counselor who's using the same automated underwriting system and can digitally pass that information back and in, into the LOS, into the CRM, so the, the loan officer can pick that transaction back up as, as if it had never left. And I, I love all of that in the context of kind of a normal workflow, right? When loan officers engage with the consumer and, 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 and we're at the point where it's not yet and we, we engage now with Credival. But I, as we are just talking here, I, I actually think the, the, the smart enterprise IMBs and others will look at a solution that you just described as a way to actually open up their funnel. And so today, instead, today they may just be thinking about, you know, the fallout, but what if you actually could use these tools to create a wider funnel and, and engage consumers much earlier in their journey? You know, what, that's, that's very powerful. And by the way, there's not a lot of people that are doing that. And I think it creates some differentiation for a lender. Yeah, if you think about the, the traditional credit decline, obviously, is happening at the point of sale. Um, yeah. and, and I look at Credivolve as a problem-solving company, um, and you can point our solution, credit remediation, at a problem anywhere along the lending um, paradigm. And so if you have enough data, understand who's going to be a, a future home buyer, we can be a soft landing for those consumers that don't qualify today but need to qualify six months from now. We can certainly be there at point of sale, and that's traditionally where we are. And in the engagement level for consumers, when they see that a mortgage that they couldn't qualify, they can qualify in as few as five months, creates an enormously high level of engagement and sort of you know retention through our platform. But I also think there's opportunities on, on the servicing side, right? Those financial, annual financial physicals that you often hear um, depositories talk about um, if, if you think about trying to keep a consumer in your, in your portfolio either um, in front of a delinquency um, or you're encountering a modification or you just want to ensure that they're refinanceable, what better way to do that than ensure that their ongoing health um, is available through some ongoing you know, version at a lower cost, right? lower intensiveness um, yeah. from, from credit remediation? I love it. So we didn't prep for this, right? We, we talked about this in our few minutes before we hit record. This is a one-take one podcast. So uh, at the risk here, I, and I like to do this anyway, it's just kind of fun to see, see my guests squirm. You're not going to squirm. This is, a, this is a softball, but I, I think it's important. So we are starting to see um, you know, news come out from different states uh, around how they're looking at IMBs 
in a similar lens to how they how the OCC, as an example, looks at community banks from a CRA perspective. And uh, I've had no less than a dozen conversation, conversations in the last you know month and a half with INBs who are taking notice, and, and these are INBs that are not in the states that are you know currently raising their hand and and, and saying they're doing this, but uh, there there is a there seems to be some momentum with with uh, the independent mortgage banker uh, community to have some strategies in place that they will be able to point to in the event that their state or some other entity comes in and starts to evaluate them using uh, guidelines that haven't before been used in that IMB space. And, and as you describe Credivolve and kind of your platform and the the unique way that you enable a certified HUD counselor to be in the equation, I can't help but think that this is a strategy that IMB should be looking at. Thoughts? Yeah, no, it's a, boy, what a timely question. And there are a number of states we know that have already taken steps to to make independent mortgage bankers, you know, subject to, um, you know, CRA obligations. I would say from the IMB perspective, they ought to say bring it on. If you look at yeah. the performance between an IMB and a depository in any of the five largest states, Texas, California, New York, Florida, the spread is enormous between um, uh, the IMBs and the depositories to the favor of IMBs in terms of the LMI minority lending that they're doing. In some cases, you're seeing 70% levels of penetration by IMBs and one third of that by depositories. In all cases, it favors the IMBs. I think they have a great story to tell. Um, But we're very, very focused, not just on the outcome of that, but we have the ability and and do this as part of our consultative assessment with a lender to bring their Humda reported data to the table before we ever have a discussion about the services that Credivolve can bring because we want lenders to understand the same data that they're reporting to CFPB that CFPB is, is looking at for lending patterns of disparate impact, disparate treatment, if a lender is not aware of what their own pattern looks like relative to themselves relative to their peers, they're just asking for a problem. And so the very first right. thing that we do is help lenders understand how do I show up with small loan lending? How do I show up in any demographic, in any ethnicity, relative to ourselves and relative to peers so that they can look at it not simply from a risk management perspective, but are there market opportunities, right? One of the one of the stories I like to tell is we brought that data into a into a large regional depository, and we had both their affordable lending folks in the meeting, and we had their uh, regional sales team in the meeting, and we showed some information that didn't didn't reflect too well on them relative to peers in in ethnic lending, um, and the sales guy looked at that data, and he said we got to go to the CEO and have a conversation about policy. Clearly our policy is too tight and we're not lending at the same, you know, thresholds and margins that our competitors are. And the affordable lending guy looked at that and said, ah, we got a risk problem here that we might need to take a look at. I think the opportunity there is is so broad and it's like anything else, right? If if you're educated about the business that you do, you're going to be empowered to tell your own story. And, right. and to tell that narrative proactively. And I think we can help lenders do that both through the, the data that we can bring that they may not be aware of themselves that they supplied to the government, 
um, but also our core service, right? We, the, the vast majority of consumers that we help are LMI consumers. It qualifies for CRA credit. If you're selling your loans, you may get a premium. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of lenders walk away, um, you know, learning a lot more about themselves, but also looking at this as a business opportunity as well as a, a risk mitigation. Yeah, and, I, and that's, I love that, that last statement. That's a great way to kind of tie this together. This is, there are, there are so many reasons why this business is the right business to be in. And, and one, of the, one of those reasons is it's a viable, profitable business. You know, it's, and, and I'm not saying profitable in the, in the context of taking advantage of people. It can be a business that return, has a return to you as a business owner, but that also is doing the right thing and, and frankly, just is the right thing to do. Yeah, no, that's, um, you know, we ebb and, ebb and flow, right, in, in our process capacity, in our margins, um, but we are almost always in a position um, that we have the ability um, to look within our, our own organizations and, and look for ways to bring partners in that can help us operate more effectively. Um, what I like to tell our lenders is, um, and, and what I think really resounds with them is I always felt this way, Brian, you and I were consumer direct guys, you know, a long time ago, right? We spent a lot of time buying leads, looking for ways to optimize those, right? Marketing costs per yep. closed loan, you know, all the terms. And I was always looking for that partner who would take the same risk that I was taking. If you're going to sell me a lead, then I'll pay you more if that lead actually converts to a loan. Well, I didn't get a lot right. of marketers willing to do that. Um, we take a very different approach and we say, hey, look, lender, I know that in any given, you know, economic cycle, it may be easier or harder for you to invest in, in the well-being of your consumer. And we all want the consumer to have access to well-being and, and have to pay their fair share, but as little as they possibly can, which means lenders have an opportunity to invest in it. We bring an opportunity for lenders. We do well when lenders do well. And so the way we yeah. structured our model is that if, if you invest in our model, we get paid when you get paid, right? And I think that that's, that's a model that really resonates with lenders and helps them understand that we're not looking at this on the transaction. We're looking at this as strategic partners. And, yeah, I love and it. I'll stand up every day and say, you know, I'll invest in you if you invest in me, and we'll take a look at it a year from now and see how we did. And let's just keep calibrating because at the end of the day, there's a lot of consumers who need our help yeah that's that's uh that is the absolute truth i think uh the industry it seems like there's momentum you know kind of as we exit um 2021 primarily and, and rightfully so driven by kind of the social aspect but we're also faced with a very different mortgage market as we go into 2022 and um you know i've said it a couple times this is not only the right thing to do, but it's a good business to to pursue and focus. And having uh, tools and partners like Credivolve that are that are in a tech stack for a lender, I think, are going to be super important, kind of going forward into this new this new purchase market. And and I say new purchase market because I do believe we're going to see folks uh, truly try to serve all customers, not just a segment of customers. And I love. Everything about what Credivolve is doing, I love the mission, love the the roadmap. Uh, proud to be partnered with you guys, and and just looking forward to doing some really cool things together. 
Brian, I couldn't uh, couldn't agree more. Um, you know, Finlocker brings just real differentiators for us in terms of helping us be able to focus on the counselor experience and leveraging a lot of what Finlocker has built for the consumer experience. Like I said at the beginning, I'm an experience guy, um, but yeah. I can't create the best experience for every aspect um, of our business model. And we appreciate the uh, the support and the innovation that Finlocker brings to consumer well-being. Well, hopefully uh, folks have learned a little bit more about uh, about Credivolve and, and are thinking about how to partner with with platforms like Credivolve to not only serve those that deserve to be served, but really to grow the business. So, Jeff, I appreciate you joining me here. Um, it's crazy that we're wrapping up uh, 2021, but I know uh, we're all excited and geared up for great things ahead in 2022. And again, thanks for uh, thanks for spending some time with hey, us. Hey, my pleasure. Congratulations on uh, year one of uh, the podcast. It's fantastic. <laughs> I enjoy I enjoy watching and learning from from you and your partners. So, Brian, thanks for Thank the invite. Have a great weekend. Hopefully, I'll get renewed. <laughs> <laughs> Thank it's you. It's a pleasure.